Hello, local church. My name is Eden, and I am so excited to be with you today. And I'm going to be wrapping up our Camp Essentials series that we have been in. I don't know about you, but I've been really enjoying this series as we've been leading up with kind of this idea of getting ready and getting our hearts ready uh, for heading to camp. We know most of our church is getting ready to go uh, on the camp retreat. And even if you're not able to make it or come with us, this series is just so packed full of just really helpful and foundational things that we can be carrying with us in our everyday walk with the Lord. And so I'm thrilled to be able to kind of share with you what I feel like God's put on my heart today. And I think we all can say that there have probably been times in our lives when we have had these moments, whether it's with friends or family or with the Lord, that are these big moments. They're kind of these high moments that we, we have these encounters. And those moments can be incredible and they kind of feed us for a while. But eventually, life goes back to normal and we go back to normal and we forget those moments. And so I want to talk a little bit today about how we can go into camp with our hearts ready, which is what we've been prepping with in this series. But then what do we do afterwards? What do we do in the walking out? How do we take what God has done during camp or whatever encounter we have with the Lord? And how do we continue to walk that out in our lives? And so I want to turn us to John 21, and this is verses 1 through 14. Uh, It says, to give you a little context first, actually, This is right after Jesus has been crucified. He has died on the cross. His disciples have watched him die. But then they've also found out that his body is no longer there and that he's been raised from the dead and he appears to them in the upper room. And it's this incredible time. I can't even imagine what it was like for the disciples emotionally right now. Um, So it's kind of right after that's happened that Jesus has appeared to them. And this is what the word says. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter and Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because there was such a large number of fish. Then the disciples whom, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire burning with coals, and there was fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. And so Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. So I'm going to just pray for us, and then we're going to jump into this scripture. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is living and active. Thank you that when we get to come to your word and unpack it, we get to actually see you do a work in our hearts as we listen and we hear about it. 
Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see as we dig into the scripture and as we prepare our hearts to meet with you and what that means. And so we just give you this time in your name. Amen. So my first point today, if you are going to be taking notes, is Jesus always stands on the shoreline. And there are three kind of components from this scripture that I would really like to kind of look at that I think are going to give us some foundations as we go into this idea of how do we prep our hearts to meet with the Lord. I love the humanity of scriptures. I love the humanity of these stories and situations and what happens in them. You know, you can almost imagine this whole situation. The disciples are distraught. They're emotional. There's been so much going on. They've seen their their savior that they loved and walked with crucified. And then they found out he was raised from the dead, which was incredible and never heard of. And Peter is a very emotional guy. You can see it throughout scripture. He's hot-headed and passionate and he's quick to do things. And so you can almost imagine he's just a bit emotional right now. And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to go fish. I'm going to go fish. And you can just imagine Jesus hanging out on the shore, just chilling, making breakfast. You know, he's just relaxed. He's watching them out there. And he knows, he knows that they're, they're probably all fluster with what's going on. And yet he just waits for them. And he stands there. And even when they don't recognize him, he stands there and waits for them. And that's such a beautiful picture of who Jesus is. He's somebody who won't force himself on us. He's not somebody who is always the loudest in the room. He actually will wait for us to see him. And he'll just stand there. But he's always there. Even when we're off doing our own thing, he's there being like, I want to meet with you. I want to encounter you. And I think we can sometimes believe lies, whether it's something we've grown up believing or something we've taken on to say like, oh, maybe God doesn't want to meet with me. Maybe I'm too bad. Maybe I've done too many things, or maybe he just doesn't speak to me like he speaks to other people. But actually, this is such a beautiful picture of God's heart that he wants to meet us right where we're at. He met Peter and the disciples right where they were at in their emotional state, in their state of being like, you know what, we're just going to go fishing. We don't know what else to do. That's familiar to us because they were, a lot of them were fishermen. And he met them there. He didn't say, oh, because you're holy or you've done the right thing, now I'll meet with you. He actually just came and stood on the shore and waited for them to see him. He met Peter right where he was at. And when we come to meet with God, whether it's at camp or whether it's in our morning devotions or whether it's at a conference or whatever it might be or at church first Sunday, we actually get to come with expectant hearts that the Lord is is waiting to meet with us as well that it's not something we have to beg for. We actually get to come as sons and daughters before our Father, and He's looking forward to speak to us. Um, I think that there should be a, a reverence and a holiness around that, that the God of the universe who created the world wants to meet with us. And so we should go into that with like a, wow, I get to meet with God today. I get to encounter God today. I was looking up some people in the Bible who were very intentional to meet with God, and one that really stands out is Moses. Moses was about, they estimate around between 80 and 85 years old when he climbed Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments, the tablets from God, to meet with God, to have a conversation with God. 
And I was doing a little bit of research, and Mount Sinai, the summit, was about 7,500 feet. Now, I don't think I could climb that, and I'm not 85. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'd like die like a little way up. <laughs> like It wouldn't be good. But Moses was so determined to meet with God, and he knew the value of meeting with God, that he was like, you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to climb this mountain. And it doesn't matter if my bones are old or I'm in pain. Like, I'm going to get to see God. I'm going to have a conversation with God. I'm going to meet with God. And we get the benefit now that we get to meet with God the same way. But we don't have to climb a mountain to do it. We actually get to have him dwell in us. And he wants to meet with us that way. So are you coming expectant when you come before the Lord? Are you coming with that reverence and that holiness of, wow, I'm about to meet with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and he wants to meet with me? That's an incredible thought, friends, and it actually shifts how we then enter into his presence. It shifts how we come before him, that we don't have to come ashamed or like a beggar. We actually get to come and and know that he wants to meet with us just as much as we want to meet with him. Now, for my second point, if you're following along, I've titled this point, Will You Dive In? And I want to look at our second element of this story. So we kind of have how God is responding, how Jesus is responding in this situation. But I want to look at Peter. And I love that, like, you can just feel Peter's angst in all of this. He was a passionate guy. He was an emotional guy. You can see that throughout Scripture. And, you know, he's just gone through this whole thing. He walked with Jesus. He saw his ministry. He saw him do miracles. He experienced it for his own life and family. And so he knew what it was like to be transformed by Jesus. He had been transformed by Jesus. But then Jesus died. And there is this moment where I think a hopelessness came in for Peter. And so he's seen Jesus raised from the dead. But there's so much happening inside of Peter right now. And his response is actually to go, I'm just going to go fish. And there's so much more behind that statement than just that he enjoys going out for a little fish. Actually, Peter was a fisherman before Jesus called him to ministry. And so it was a very familiar thing for Peter. Fishing was who he was before Jesus. And then he encountered Jesus and everything changed and Jesus called him out of that. But his first response when things got tough was, I'm going to go back to that old place. It was comfortable. It was familiar. But it wasn't Jesus' best for him. And I think we often can do the same thing. We have these incredible moments with God. We see him heal us or transform us or he, you even see him do it for others. And you have these mountaintop moments that you're like, wow, God. And then you go back to life and you have a tough time in your marriage or something happens with your kids or your job. And it's like we forget. We forget what God has done. We forget his goodness. We forget the things he's spoken over us. And so it's actually important for us to have a strategy to combat against that. And I think what's really beautiful is that later in this story, Peter recognizes Jesus. He sees Jesus and it is like he remembers again. He remembers who he served. He remembers who he loved. And it says he threw on his garment and he dove in the water and he went to Jesus. Like that's the kind of passion, you know, you can feel it <laughs> from Peter. And and I think that we can learn something from this. Firstly, that 
it's never too late to dive in. It's never too late. Even if we feel like we've fallen off the wagon, we feel like, Lord, you know, you spoke this thing and then I went back to the old thing. He's still waiting on the shore for us to come diving in the water and come back to him and start again. But also, we can look at this and go, wow, where? what's my fishing? <laughs> what's my familiar thing that I would go back to? And I think actually as we prepare for camp or if you even are just preparing to meet with the Lord in any way, it's actually smart to go into it with a bit of a strategy. So we can come expectant knowing God's going to do something because that's the kind of God he is. But we also can come in with a strategy to go, "Mm, what would be the things that would take me back into the familiar? Take me away from what the Lord has done. You know, it says in scripture that we have an enemy who prowls like a lion, who is waiting to kind of take us off course. And he'll often do that with distractions or lies, you know, things like, well, maybe God will only speak to me at camp. Or maybe God only speaks to so-and-so, but not to me. Or the oldest lie in the book that he's been using since the beginning of time, did God really say that? And those kind of things can easily pull us away from God's best and what he's called us to. And we actually have to be prepared to go in and say, okay, I'm expecting that the Lord is going to do something in my life. How am I going to protect that? How am I going to walk that out afterwards? You know, um, I'm a big football fan. I'm American, so I feel like it's wrong if you're not a football fan. (laughs) Go Bills. Um, And I love that for football, they always go in with a strategy. They have a playbook. They know some of the other team's moves and they go in with counter moves. They're ready because they want to try and win the game. And if they can kind of outsmart the other team, then they can do that. And we can be the same way. We can go in with a strategy and go, okay, if my thing that will probably pull me back into the familiar is that, you know, something happens in my marriage, then how am I going to actually like protect my marriage in this season? How am I going to invest in my marriage? How am I going to pray over my marriage ahead of time? So I actually see it coming. Um, You know, I think we also need to say, how do we nurture the things that God has done in our life? Because that's how they grow. That's how we don't just stay stagnant, but we actually move forward in what God has done, that we take a hold of it and we go, okay, I want to run with this. Um, I am not a plant person at all. I am whatever the opposite of a green thumb is. That's what I am. (laughs) But I live with Phil, who is an incredible, like he loves plants and any plant he touches just thrives. It's gotten to the point where our home is kind of like a greenhouse, like a little jungle. And people will just bring their plants to us and be like, here you go, Phil, you know how to take care of plants, you can have mine. And so we just keep collecting all these plants. I literally can't even keep a succulent or a cactus alive. (laughs) It's not good, it's not good. But I have not taken the time to learn what a plant needs. I've never looked it up, I've never researched it, I've never asked anybody. I've just kind of been like, I don't know, I guess this is the right amount of water, and then it dies. But Phil, is intentional. He knows when he needs to trim and prune a plant. He knows when he needs to water it and feed it and how much sunlight it needs because he's done the work. He's invested in it. He has learned about it. And that's how we need to be with our faith as well. If we want our faith to grow like that plant, 
then we actually need to nurture it. We need to invest in it. So how do we do that? We can't expect just one experience like camp or an amazing time in our devotions to hold us over for the next month of our faith life or the next year or the next five years. It's not how it works. We actually need continual sustenance just like a plant does. And so what are some strategies that you can have going forward to keep nurturing what God is doing in your life? Well, there are many things. You can get a mentor. Accountability is one of the greatest things you could ever have. It's uncomfortable sometimes. It's not always super pleasant to have someone bring correction, but it is the greatest gift. And if it's someone trustworthy and somebody who knows the Lord and loves you, then you actually can feel safe in that kind of a relationship. Um, We have an incredible program through our church called WALK. It is a discipleship program. It literally will help walk you through your faith and grow you in your faith. And so that's an incredible thing to be a part of. Talk to somebody. Tell somebody what the Lord has done in your life. That kind of testimony, that kind of speaking it out, it makes it more real than if we just keep it all hidden and on the inside. Um, We need to spend time with God. If you're in a relationship with someone and you never see them, you never call them, you never text them, well, it's probably not going to last. But if you're intentional to spend time with that person, learn what they like, you know, be close to them, then actually that's what nurtures a relationship. And we need the same thing with the Lord. Another thing is being in the Word. The Word of God is living and active and powerful. I've heard so many people say, well, I just wish God was physically in front of me because that would make it so much easier. But we actually do have the physical Word of God which is right in front of us, and it's God-breathed, and he speaks to us through it, and it's always, it's always changing in our hearts because he reveals new things and unpacks things, and it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I actually I found this study from the Center of Bible Engagement, and this is so interesting. And these are the results they found with those who read the Word of God four times a week, okay? Four times a week. Feelings of loneliness dropped by 30%. Anger issues drop by 32%. Bitterness in relationships drop 40%. Alcoholism drops by 57%. Feeling spiritually stagnant drops 60%. Viewing pornography drops 61%. Sharing your faith jumps 200%. And discipling others jumps 230%. Okay, (laughs) like, I don't know what more we need to know. Like, that is incredible. Will you dive in? Will you dive in and dive to Jesus? It can be uncomfortable to make changes in our lives when we're used to the familiar, we're used to the old things. You know, Peter put on his garment, actually, before he jumped in the water to go to Jesus. I don't know if you've ever tried swimming with, like, clothes on. It's not comfortable. It's not pleasant. They stick to you and kind of weigh you down. But he knew that Jesus was worth it. And he knew that what he had done in his life was worth it. Is it worth it to us? It's a good question to ask today. Like, Jesus, I actually want you to be worth it for me to dive in. Okay, so point three. This is our last point, and it's called help your friends pull the boat in. And I think it's interesting. Our third dynamic of this story is the other disciples. And it's interesting to watch how they watch Peter, how they follow Peter. He was obviously a leader in this group. And so as soon as he was like, I'm going out fishing, 
they were all like, yeah, us too, us too. And they all hop in the boats and they're out there with Peter. And what's interesting is that they also watch Peter's response to Jesus. And then they follow it. And it says that they pull their boat in after Peter swims to Jesus. And we actually have a responsibility in our own faith walks that when God does something in us, we get to lead others to Jesus by sharing what he's done in our life. That's called testimony. That is a powerful, powerful thing. It actually says in the word of God that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. That means that when we share what God has done, it will speak to somebody else. And it's a vulnerability, so sometimes it's a little scary, (laughs) but it's actually one of the things that can connect someone's heart to the Lord and go, if it can happen for so-and-so, maybe it could happen for me. And it gives hope and it gives reassurance. We can always turn and repent to the Lord. And sometimes that encourages somebody else to turn and repent to the Lord, to turn and say, I want to live a different way. I want to have an encounter with God that way. But it does take vulnerability on our part. And it's really easy to kind of hide away the things that the Lord has done because maybe that's more comfortable. But again, Peter wasn't really caring about comfortability in that moment. He dove into the water and it was like an invitation in that moment for the other disciples to be like, are you coming with me? Are you going to come to Jesus too? And they did and they responded that way. I think you just never know the impact that you can have by being vulnerable and sharing about the Lord and what he's done in your life. I had a professor in university, I was taking a psychology class and and he was definitely not a fan of Christians and would be very vocal about how he disagreed. And I was a very young, like, you know, I was like 18 and I was nervous and I didn't want to, you know, argue with him or anything in front of the whole class. And so what I did instead was every paper I wrote for that class, I incorporated my faith and I talked about Jesus. I talked about what he had done in my life. And I would submit those papers and I'd be like, I don't know, this guy is probably going to hate me. <laughs> He's probably going to give me bad grades. And, uh, and actually, I did pretty well in the class. And at the end of the semester, I was talking to him about a grade. And he just stopped me and he said, I've really enjoyed having you in my class. And I can see that there's something different about you. And there's something special about you. And I think you're going to go places. And I was like, oh, thank you. And it, it opened up the door for me to actually share and say, well, I'm a Christian. I believe in the Lord. And, you know, this is what he's done in my life and, and why I am the way I am. And it was such an affirmation to my heart that actually just my little bit that I gave the Lord of, I'll put you in all my papers, <laughs> was enough. That he was like, I'll, I'll even take that and I'll use it. And that's what God does with us. He actually wants to invite us into what he's doing in other people's lives. And we get to step in and and say like, yeah, Lord, I want to be a part of that. But it starts with us first. It starts with our response. It starts with our healing that then gets to flow out to other people, that then we get the pleasure and the opportunity of being able to love on other people and see them meet Jesus through that. That's a real, real gift. We get to bring others along with us. When we encounter God, what is our response going to be? What is your response going to be? As you get ready to meet with him, 
are you coming expectant? Are you coming knowing who you're coming to meet with? Are you like Moses who's like, at any cost, I will get up that mountain? Are you like Peter who would dive into the water and risk everything to, to go back to the one that called him? Maybe you're also like Peter in that maybe you've kind of gone, I've forgotten what the Lord has done. I've forgotten what he said. I don't even know if he would stand at the shoreline for me. Wherever you're kind of at right now, the Lord does want to meet with you. He does see you. He does stand at the shoreline for you just like he did for Peter. He will meet you right where you are. That's the goodness of our God, that he's not looking for perfect He's not looking for the perfect specimen of a Christian. He's like, just come and have breakfast with me. I've, I've put some fish on the fire. Just come. That's the kind of God that we serve. I hope that maybe you'll even rewatch this video after camp or after the next time the Lord does something in your life to just remind yourself, oh, yeah, I need to go in with a strategy. You know, the Jewish people they would lay these altars, these stones of remembrance when God would do something for them. And it would be a reminder for them and for the generations to come that in this spot, God did this. And I think that's brilliant because I don't know about you, I don't have a great memory. I tend to forget a lot of things. So I've learned that I have to journal everything so that I can go back and remind myself because I will forget. And that's actually okay. What, what do you maybe need to lay as a stone of remembrance? Maybe for you, it's a note in your phone. Maybe it's a journal. Maybe it's even some kind of creativity like art or painting or drawing or carving, whatever it might be, to kind of be able to go back and look at that thing and go, oh yeah, that's what God's spoken. When times get tough, when things get rocky, when you have those moments when you're like, God, where are you? That you can pull that that journal entry out and go, oh yeah, on this day in this year, God said this to me and I know that he did and I'm going to stand on that. We need that. That's, that is a good battle strategy. I hope that you've been able to glean some, some strategies throughout this time and that you can even ask the Lord, Lord, what's your battle strategy for me uh, of going into to meeting with you that I can then keep it going afterwards, that it doesn't just die off like Eden's succulents, <laughs> but that it would thrive like Phil's plants, that you would thrive spiritually with the Lord. So wherever you are right now, maybe, maybe right now you're saying, I didn't even know that Jesus would want to meet with me. I don't have relationship with him. I, d I don't have him as Lord of my life, or I haven't made him my savior yet. And I just want to say that Jesus is waiting for you. He is waiting at the shoreline. It is the greatest decision you can ever make to jump out of that boat and say, yeah, I'm going to give it my all. Jesus, you are my everything. It can feel a little scary, but it's actually the greatest, greatest decision you could ever make. And I would love to pray with you if that's you, to just accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And then I'm going to pray for anybody who's feeling like maybe right now they've forgotten what the Lord has done. Or maybe they're, they're even a little intimidated to kind of walk into a, a meeting with him and, and say, Lord, would you even, will you even show up? I'm going to pray for you that even the Lord would remind you that he loves to meet with you. So I'm going to firstly just pray for anyone who would like to accept Jesus today.
We're going to close our eyes, bow our heads, and, and you can repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I come to you. I need you in my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And I thank you that you do. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And now I'm just going to pray for anybody who is feeling that way of, Lord, do you want to meet with me? Or, Lord, I've forgotten the things you've said, but I want to. I want to dive in. I'm just going to pray for you today. Father, thank you that you are a God that waits at the shoreline for us. That no matter where we're at in our journey, whether we are, we are Moses and we are climbing that mountain and we are desperate for you, whether we are Peter who is emotional and distraught and, and doesn't know what to do, or whether we are like the disciples who are just kind of like, I don't, I'm just being tossed at sea right now. Lord, we want to come before you expectant because you are a good and a faithful God. And actually, even if we question it in our own lives, we can look at your word and see that never once have you not been faithful. You have always been good. You have always come through. Lord, could you remind us, even in this moment of times that you've come through for us, where you've protected us, where you've guarded us, where you've spoken your word to us, where you've healed us, Lord, we thank you for those moments. Would we remember to lay down those stones of remembrance when we forget? Lord, would we remember to go back to those things and go, oh yeah, that's who our God is. Would we combat the enemy's lies or his deceptions with the truth of your word, the truth of what you've done, the word of our testimony? And Lord, would what you've done in us minister to other people? Would it lead other people to you, not to us, but Lord, would they see you? God, I ask for each and every person who's listening to this, that they would encounter you in some way, even in this day, that they would meet with you and know a father who longs to meet with them. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you, church, for joining me. Thank you, Nadia and Levi, for inviting me to speak today. It has been an absolute joy, and I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day. And we'll see you soon. Bye.